Flyer here. Bit of an emergency show here. It is Monday, January 8, 2024. And uh, the Flyers did something. Kind of, sort of. Somebody did something to the Flyers and they retaliated, I guess, is probably the better way to phrase that. Cutter Gauthier told the Flyers to fuck off, and thus he was traded to the Anaheim Ducks for Jamie Drysdale in a second-round pick in 2025. And, uh, yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to break all that down and what it means and more, but, uh, let me introduce my co-host for the evening back from home Depot. Uh, Manny Benavides is here. Manny, what's going on? <laughs> Nothing much guys. Actually, I just get back to from, uh, from a vacation with the family and, uh, you know, went on a Disney cruise. So I was down in the Caribbean for the last, uh, almost a week. And, uh, well, it's a small world after all, because fuck. Looks like, uh, speaking of Disney, Cutter Goche is going to get familiar with Disneyland going to Anaheim yeah. now. So we'll see how that works out, Cutter. <laughs> and Mike Asito is back. Mike, what's going on? Uh, good evening, gentlemen. Great to be with you, as always. Uh, Manny, I'm admiring your tan. At least I think you got a small tan, something it was like that. A little bit of overcast. <laughs> yeah. Okay, a little bit of vitamin A. But uh, we're going to give you all your vitamins tonight on this crazy trade one of the biggest moments in Flyers history player-wise that I can remember in years, years. Absolutely crazy stuff going on with this trade tonight. Um, so let's get into it, guys. This is this is, this is is crazy. Yeah, the biggest moment of this organization probably since at least Ryan Ellis. That was 2021, and I mean, before that, I don't even know when. Big moves don't happen for the Philadelphia Flyers every day anymore, so this is a uh, bit of a move here. But yeah, I was making dinner this evening, and pulled up Instagram and saw a post from the Flyers account that said, uh, just kind of a corner of my eye, it said, Jamie Drysdale for a second round pick. And I was like, huh, that's a weird time to make that trade. A weird return. Why would Anaheim do that? And then I pull up Twitter to see what's going on. And everyone says, fuck Cutter Gauthier. And I'm like, did he say something racist? What the fuck happened? Well, it turns out they traded Cutter Gauthier to the Ducks for Drysdale and a second-round pick. Uh, he did not want to sign with the Flyers. And listen, if you are a longtime listener of Brotherly Pod, a longtime reader of mine, you know I do not trust NCAA players because this is an outcome that happens pretty regularly. They tell their team that drafted them to fuck off, and uh, that's what happened in this case. Cutter Gochi goes to Anaheim. He's going to line up with Trevor Zegers and uh, Mason McTavish out there. So, hey, he's probably happy that he get to play with actual forwards and not Nick Delorier. So that may have had something to do with it. Maybe it was Torts. I don't know if that has come out yet, but uh, as we were talking about before here, you know, he was supposed to sign with the Flyers at the end of last season. That didn't happen. He did not show up at development camp because he was tired. And, uh, you know, it seems like if you read between the lines here for a little while that this was the uh, apparent outcome for a little bit. But uh, overall, initial reactions, Mike, what are you thinking? 
Well, you know, there's a lot to unpack on this, Dan. Obviously, um, you know, you don't see at least the Flyers do these sort of things very often. You don't normally see guys that are drafted this high, uh, you know, as an 18 or 19 year old say, screw you to the team that drafted you or them even before they even get to that team to begin with. Um, it's a pretty ballsy move. Um, you know, I guess overall impressions are really surprised that it happened, really surprised that it happened now in the middle of the season. Um I like Jamie Drysdale as a player. I don't get to see him all that often, given that he played for the Ducks. He's played, I don't know, 100 and some games for them so far. Seen bits and pieces. Kind of liked what I saw. Heard some comparisons uh, through the grapevine. He's kind of like a right-handed version of Cam York. Um, Take with that what you will. Um, But I think that we will get down to the whys and the hows later on in this show. But I think that the Flyers' hands were tied to an extent, given Gautier's unwillingness to sign with the team. And they were basically at the mercy of other general managers at this point. Um, You obviously don't want to bring him in as an unhappy player in a year or two from now, whenever that might be, and his value starts to tank and that whole ball of yarn unwinds. Um, But, you know... One, I'm surprised, and two, I guess I'm happy they got something for him because sometimes these situations turn to shit and you get nothing. So um, I don't know. Manny, go. <laughs> um, I was watching the the Flyers feed on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia and then the, the icon came on the screen with the pictures and I was dumbfounded at first and I didn't think it was real. I kind of like fell off my yeah, chair. Yeah, that was a fake account. I thought it was and an then, evil like, gritty tweet at first. I yeah. was like, did this yeah. guy hack the fly? Because I'm staring at the Flyers official Twitter. They're like, and that was there. I'm like, did ha- evil gritty hack the fucking Flyers Twitter and put that out? Like, this isn't a real trade. What the hell's going on yeah. here? Same here. Same here. <laughs> my, my biggest takeaway is I'm like you, Mike. I, I like Jamie Drysdale, but. And there, there's a but there. The guy's been injured quite a bit, messed up his shoulder. He missed significant time. Uh, I know he had a, a tough negotiation with his contract uh, with the Ducks and Pat Verbeek. And it's pretty obvious that the Ducks kind of weren't appreciative of that. And it's also telling that in their depth chart, Pavel Minchikov and Olin Zellweger kind of passed him on the depth chart. And they kind of felt that Jamie Drysdale was a guy that could be traded in order to address one of their needs. And, and I mean, listen, fair is fair, right-handed D we've talked about needing a top pairing, you know, defenseman. It's just, is this the guy? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of in shock right now because I've been told for the last two years that Cutter Goche was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Mm-hmm. And every Flyers Twitter account and, and you know, podcast and everybody else has said how amazing this guy is and he's killing it at BC and he's going to be a center and he's going to be this and that. And all of a sudden he's just gone and it's a complete 180 and everybody's turned on this guy now and hates his guts. I think that that's pretty crazy. Well, for reference here, Jamie Drysdale, uh, 21 years old. He'll turn 22 in the beginning of April. He was the sixth overall pick in 2020. Right shot defenseman, 5'11", 185. He has 123 games under his belt, 45 points on minus 43. Jesus, tells you about Anaheim has been. But uh, he missed most of last season after tearing his labrum, uh, underwent surgery, and just came back recently. He's played 10 games uh, as a goal in five points this season. 
uh, with zero power play points. He did have 12 power play points back in 21-22. So, mm-hmm. you know, once upon a time, a highly touted guy, and as Manny alluded to, uh, I guess some of that mystique is gone these days. They're taking him on more as a rehab project than they are a home run defenseman. Uh, did resign with the Ducks earlier this year, three years at 2.3 mil, which uh, that's an interesting number. Um, that puts a lot of questions back into the Sean Walker Ristolainen pool there as far as what what goes on with the right-handed defenseman uh, moving forward but yeah uh very interesting it's one of those things that caught so off guard you know and uh you know once upon a time Drysdale was a good player they needed a young right-handed defenseman on the main roster they clearly don't give a fuck about Ronnie Adderd and Emil Andre is a lefty and Bonk is probably a couple years away from being in the NHL so they needed something here in the meantime um, and this was their solution. But, uh, you know, considering the way they've handled Zamula and Andre and Adderd on the outside looking in, and it's like, you really want John Tortorella working with a kind of meh young defenseman. I have a feeling that's going to be a very tense working relationship here as, uh, as we get going with him in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. I think this says a lot of deep things about the organization. And, you know, I'd kind of like to go through the timeline here with, how did we get here right now? I mean, this is just an absurd situation here. You know, you look at Cutter Gauthier, drafted, what, uh, two years ago by the Flyers, and he attended one dev camp, um, what, the year he was drafted, I think, which was Tortorella's first year as head coach, I think. First dev camp with the team. I'm not sure if Torts was here then or not. It's That timeline is unclear to me. But there was a time when he was there. Oh, no, he was here because been there his, was that clip. Yeah. There was that clip of uh, of Gautier, you know, saying I think he was on um, I don't spit and chicklets or something. And he's like, I went up to John Tortorella and he said, oh, I'm so excited to meet you. And he's like, fuck, yeah, that was so great. You know, there was a there was some hype about that two years ago. And then he went back to B.C., had a decent freshman season um, and something happened along the way that soured the relationship. And my guess is that this relates back to Kevin Hayes is that these guys started talking and Kevin Hayes obviously hated John Tortorella and they started talking, I think last March, there's some articles about that and some podcasts about that. And my guess is that Kevin Hayes said, look, this guy's a freaking nutcase. You don't want to play for this organization. They suck. Get out. And then at that point, Gautier said, well, he went to BC. He's been successful in the NHL. He played for torts. I'm going to listen to him. And so goes the story where he doesn't come to dev camp last year with that NC and, you know, the flyers and all of the lapdog beat reporters just lapped it the fuck up. Oh, he, oh, he's tired. He can only, he has to pay his own way to get to camp. He can't come summer school, all that bullshit, complete bullshit. And if you go back and read some of the receipts and I was taking a look at some of these lapdog reporters that were so vehement about how the flyers are helpless here. They can't do anything. All this shit. And it's like, no, like there was some stuff going on behind the scenes then where he didn't want to participate and didn't want to sign with the team. So, you know, things started to sour, I think, uh, March of 2023, roughly. Uh, And then I heard that they tried to trade him at the draft um, for the number five pick. And there was all of this behind the scenes stuff going on. And then fast forward to the World Juniors and the Flyers attempted to meet with Cutter Gauthier and his family at the tournament and they, and and the family and, and Gauthier said, no, we're not talking to you. Keep in mind that 
Um, he's still under flyers rights a couple of weeks ago and he's their property. And he said, no, I'm not talking to you. And I think that was the catalyst here where Breer and Jones said, fuck this, we're trading this guy. So anyway, that's my fast forward version. I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, but it's crazy to think about that timeline. He was mad that the flyers fired Chuck Fletcher. That was the guy he really wanted to work under and he's just not going to get the opportunity now. (laughs) Good God. Um, yeah, the timeline's interesting, and I remember we, we as a podcast crew, we, together on Frequent Flyer, we talked about how Gauthier was very suspicious that he didn't show up to that development camp, um, and all of the excuses of too much hockey and this and that, and yeah, Mike, a lot of people were, you know, basically defending uh, the player and uh, and the organization yeah. nothing and to we... see here he can't afford the trip and it's like oh well Breer God. spoke french there's no way carter gochia could have understood him so that too yeah, uh, yeah i mean so i mean there, there there were signs there um and i'm reading i don't know if, if philly hockey now is that a legit it's a cartini's thing isn't it okay so i i don't know this uh person who wrote this article but they basically said uh, that uh, nothing was made of it in order to protect Cutter from the media. So in other <laughs> words, a fan, damn fine it was job protect of that. His value. That's it. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, listen, there, there's two ways to kind of look at this. I'm I'm seeing a lot of people online saying, well, the Flyers' hands were tied, and Briere and Jones did a great job getting this return. I don't know 100% if I agree with that. I do agree that their hands were tied. I find it interesting that they chose Drysdale and that they prioritized the defenseman and and ideally a guy who should be a a top-pairing defenseman, although we'll talk about um, our hesitations right now. Uh, But I think that the key here is to not focus on the deal itself and right now. I think it's about the events leading up to the trade. Like when Briere and Jones were brought in here, we even discussed on on this show that yeah, they don't have um, you know experience as as a management team, as a front office, they don't have that sort of you know cachet. But as former players, they know what players are kind of like and how they think and sort of how to reach them and how to talk to them, and. In a sense, I can't help but think that this is a big failure on Danny Briere and Keith Jones. And it has nothing to do with the trade itself. It's about that they weren't able to communicate and articulate the reasons why they wanted Cutter to go back to college for a year. They knew when they drafted this guy, and I know that it was Chuck, it was Chuck Fletcher that drafted him, they knew, he said right away, my goal is I'm making the Flyers. And that's it. Or he's going to go back to college. and He was going to go, go back, back for one year and then sign after his freshman season. That was the plan right. originally. They mm-hmm. knew that, that he had his designs, his mind was made up that that's what he wanted to do. And for whatever reason, Jones, Briere couldn't bridge that gap. And when they sent him back and told him he was going to go back again for another year, that might have, you know, pushed some buttons on Cutter's part that he just didn't like. And I think that you have to know as a management team, are we really going to upset this guy if we do this? I don't know. What do you guys think? 
So here's another angle on that, Manny. It's possible that he went back to college um, after it was decided that he didn't want to be part of the organization and just did it to buy time and say, look, I'm not going to be part of this. I'm not signing this year. I'm not signing next year. I'm never signing with you. So either you trade me now or I keep quiet and I go back to college and you trade me later. I don't know what the timeline was, but that could be that could be a play, too. Yeah, and if that if that's what happened, then certainly I, I mean I don't really know what, how much more blame you can lay to the front office there, but um, yeah, yeah. And I, I guess just, to what extent is it their fault too? I mean, I think that kind of bit, that's kind of what you're hinting at too, Manny. Is to what extent you know their hands were tied, but to what extent was it their fault to begin with, or was this the previous regime's fault, which Briere was part of? <laughs> but right. uh, you know. How do you, Alec, who's to blame here for setting the wheels in motion on this blue chip prospect souring on the organization? That's the key question that I have. Apparently Scott Hartnell mentioned on uh, intermission somewhere that Gautier wanted to play in the NHL after one year of college, but Briere wanted him to go back to school. You think he was like, hey, I want to play in the NHL now and was like, you know. Maybe a little, when was uh, that comment made, Dan? Uh, apparently today. Yeah, oh, first today. intermission, okay. I believe, because yeah. I was I saw yeah. that. Yeah. Seems it's, worth noting yeah. here. Uh, all three of Breer, Jones, and Hilferty have addressed this issue already, um, which is surprising, I guess, coming from the previous regime that would have never mentioned it to the public because they don't didn't talk to the media. So the fact that all three of them handled it during this game, um, kudos wow. to them. They did something right. Congratulations, Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I'll echo that too. I mean, that's certainly a, a change from the previous regime, the communication aspect. I, I do want to keep going with this whole thing about Jones and Briere, though. Because as former players, they must know what it was like, you know, once they get that sweater on draft day and they start getting these dreams of, you know, things in their heads about when they're going to play in the NHL and all that they knew what Cutter Goche's plans were. And Briere wanted him to go back to school. I think it's pretty safe to say, based on the World Juniors and his season so far at BC, that Cutter Goche's exceeded and done what he's going to do in college. Yeah. He's, he's beyond that. He doesn't need that now. He needs to be a professional hockey player. And I think that in a way... I'm not totally validating it, but if I'm Cutter Gauthier, I'm pretty confident in saying I'm not a college player anymore. I'm a damn professional player, and I need to sign a contract and play, and that's it. I think his play has shown that, and I mean, we'll see what that turns into at the NHL level or, or the AHL level or whatever it may be, but I just find it interesting that there was no way to bridge this like you couldn't have told Cutter, like, you know what, how about we give you your, you know, your nine, 10, nine game tryout, you know, at the beginning of the season yeah, where you have to go down and we'll talk about it then and see how you're doing and, and see how we can help you. And I mean, if Cutter kind of struggles in those first nine games, it's an easy case to make and say, listen, we believe in you. This is what's best for you. You got to go back to college. And then at the end of the day, if he exceeds expectations and has like, you know, two or three goals in those first nine games or, you know, five points or whatever, then you're kind of as a front office saying, you know, we might want him to go back to college, but the kid's putting up numbers. We might as well just keep mm -hmm. him here. And then at worst case, you send him to the AHL. 
Yeah, see, that's why I think that's why I think that Gautier's camp made this decision regardless of any of that stuff. I think I think it was just made in advance and say, I don't want to be here. There's nothing you can do, Flyers. And then at that point, the decision was made to send him back to college to kind of quash the situation and quiet things down and allow them an opportunity to uh, to kind of maneuver behind the scenes here. Um, because if they, you know, I'm not sure who said what and why and uh, and during what time period, but I don't know. To me, it just seems like he soured in the organization and it was not going to happen here no matter what. And um, and the decision to send him back to college was more so a conclusion rather than a predecessing decision here. I don't know, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, I I think whatever's been happening here has probably been happening for a little while. Something caused him to sour on it, whether it was torts, whether he just looked around and went, hey, none of these other prospects are getting fucking opportunities to play. Why would I be any different here? Falling into that torts doghouse is a career suicide kind of move at this point if you have an opportunity to get the fuck out of here like he did. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's hard because this is all so reactionary at the moment. You know, I'm yeah. sure this timeline will be established further over the next few days here. Um, so we may get a better look at this next time we sit down and talk. But, yeah, it's uh, very interesting that this just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, there was no word about it. Nobody knew. Nobody knew until it broke. Uh, you know, Breer thanked, I guess Breer and Jones probably thanked uh, other general managers for their silence, the fact that this didn't break anywhere until it happened. So apparently they knew about it for a while. This was not something that they just found out this afternoon and decided, fuck, we got to trade this guy. They've known about it for a while. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of any of this right now. It's so bizarre. I mean, the fact that um, and O'Connor was reporting this that they would, and some others too, that the Flyers made an attempt, you know, last week or something to meet with him and his family at the World Juniors, and yeah. um, they shut and they down. said no, yeah. and they said we're not meeting with you. I mean, you're you're the property of the team, like, and even if like. If I'm the Gautier camp, I would probably want to amicably work through this in a way. And maybe they've already made their position on who knows what happened behind closed doors there. But, you know, I, I would probably want that. And I don't know, maybe it goes back to like you were saying, Manny, is that with um, with Jones and Briere, they're just too inexperienced as executives and they didn't handle the situation properly. And maybe they shouldn't have asked to meet with him at the World Juniors because they should just be dealing with the agent and the agent only at this point. Um, why did they even make an attempt at that point? You know, it's it's not necessary. And they were asking for trouble. But it seems like that was the catalyst here. That was or that was the last straw in this situation. Right? See, see, I would say that the seeds for this are sown way before that. But for him to ignore the GM and the president of the hockey team that drafted him, who traveled all the way to Sweden to go and see him and talk to him and meet with them. I, I mean, that is immaturity to me. And that's a dick move by Cutter Gauthier. That's my opinion. It is what it is. I don't fault Briere and Jonesy for that. I'm saying before months or even a year prior, the stuff where he missed development camp, the stuff where you where it was became clear that the Flyers were going to send him to college for one more year or that they started talking to him about it. That's when you kind of have the feelers out and you say, OK, how receptive is this guy to going back to college or is he adamant that he wants to turn pro? And I mean, at the end of the day, the team has to do what's best for the team. And I get that. And I'm not begrudging Jones and Breer for, for thinking the way that they do. But 
if a player is that headstrong, and maybe this is his personality, maybe this is how he interacts with people. I don't know. I don't never met the guy, but if this is how he's going to start interpreting things, these guys were former players. They know players that were like this. They know how to deal with guys like this. And by all accounts, he's a really competitive guy. And when he was drafted by the Flyers, he was really excited to put on that jersey and be a Flyer. Something happened that soured him, as you guys said, to the organization to the point where he said, you know what? I just don't want to be here. And listen, if it was me and I was in Cutter's position, I would at least have the decency to tell them and meet with them and say, you know what, guys, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to turn pro and I'm proving it time and time again that college and this world junior i'm 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 past this and you guys didn't believe me when i told you and that's that's affecting our relationship but i'll at least tell them face to face i don't see this working you guys got to figure something out i'll stay quiet i'll be a good soldier i'll keep playing but you guys figure something out and 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 get something done and get me out of here at least that but he ignored them they made that flight all the way to Sweden and he just ignored them. That's kind of a dick move. It really is. And one thing that doesn't make any sense either is, you know, this whole thing was in motion last year, like um, sometime around the draft because the Flyers were trying to trade him for the you know, fifth round pick to take Reinbacher. Um, th- that came out already earlier tonight. So you already knew that this stuff was going on. So why didn't they get together with Gautier's camp and say, look, Let's figure out an exit strategy here. We can amicably get you out of here or just move on. It seems like the Flyers were just trying to tease this on or there was bad communication from both sides and they couldn't figure out if it was a final decision or where they stood with one another and how to move to the next step. And the fact that this took from, you know, last June up until January now, I think is it's pretty ridiculous that they couldn't get clarity from Cutter Gauthier's camp in what eight months or whatever it was. I mean, that that's absurd. There's there's some sort of mismanagement, um, bad blood. Uh, something is going on here that they couldn't come to a resolution or a path forward. And then finally, they sh- they showed up in Sweden and he said, "Fuck off." And then that was the final straw. Like that is just there's so much shit that happened or didn't happen during that time period that just raises a lot of red flags for me from both sides. Both sides, and I think that's kind of the important part here is Gautier may have had the final nail there when he refused to meet with them and just told them to fuck off, essentially, by giving them the cold shoulder. But uh, there's a good chance that the Flyers, somewhere along the line, screwed this one up themselves. Um, You know, whether it was the inexperience, whether something happened, whether they, you know, refused to play him in the NHL this year and didn't want to sign him and made him go back to college or whatever it was that, you know, sometime over the last 12 months, things went sideways. Uh, I don't know, but uh, that's unfortunate because, man, you know. You only had two top forward prospects in this entire system right now <laughs> yep. in Gauthier and Michkov. And man, I wrote a piece in November and I plugged it again tonight. You had two guys here. You had an NCAA player and a guy trapped in Russia. Those are your two top guys. And the NCAA player predictably told you to fuck off. Now what happens if Michkov doesn't come over? What happens even if Michkov comes over? You don't have any forward prospects right now that are worth a shit. And the ones you do, you're never going to play. That is and they're not uh, positioned to get a high pick because they 
Yeah, they because they're, they're working hard. They're not tanking now, even though I'm pretty sure they got their doors blown up with the Penguins tonight. But, like, what happens now when it comes to forward prospects? Great, you got Dreisaitl, which you're taking a risk, but at least it tries to fill a hole temporarily in this right-handed defenseman. Gauthier was the guy. I mean, William Nylander signed today, by the way, too. So that takes him off a of free agency pool for the potential Flyers, yep. even if they wanted to do something crazy like that. But uh, now, all of a sudden, your need to address forward group, you know, the idea that you were just going to say, hey, Gauthier and Mitchkov will be here. They'll fix everything. That was bullshit to begin with. Now that one of them's gone, your need for some kind of solution of young top six forwards has increased tenfold tremendously in the course of one trade. So what the hell, how do they go about fixing this one? They better have something up their sleeve. Uh, I mean, if you're going to, if this was already in the works as of last June or earlier, I mean, you better have a 10 point plan laid out here. And this is step one. And there's nine more things to happen because it's just like you said, Dan, it's, you know, you had your two forward prospects that were blue chip prospects. You know, I had a little bit of questions about Gautier. I think he answered a lot of those questions at the World Juniors this year. Um, Mitchkoff is Mitchkoff. I mean, the guy's a stud. Uh, and the idea was those guys were going to be your savior at the top line here. And then you'd randomly get a 1C or maybe Gautier could be that. And yeah, I mean, where do you go now? I, I, I'm not even sure what their plan would be. I mean, I've always been on the train, well, not always, but at least for the past year or so of just, of just liquidate the shit out of this roster and try to get as many high picks as you can. And hopefully you land on, you know, two, three, four of them. Um, now they're not going to be getting a top five pick, probably not even a top 10 pick. Uh, and they're going to have some mid first rounders and some second rounders. And those guys are going to be four to five years away. So I am not sure. I don't. I don't see where this is going right now, and hopefully, there's more to come. Um. Well, listen. He's gonna have to play, and they're gonna have to find a way to put him in the roster. So the real question is, who's on the way out? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, is the short term fix gonna be see you later, Zamula? even though he figured in prominently on the Flyers' only goal tonight in a uh, 4-1 loss to the Penguins, by the way. Um, does this open the door for a Rasmus Ristolainen trade? Maybe not immediately, but by the trade deadline. Does this open up and make it more likely that uh, Walker is going to be gone by the trade deadline? One of the two of them think, needs to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the easiest solution. Um I'd find it really hard to believe if all those guys come back and then the guy that gets kind of shoved aside is Igor Zamula. I, I don't know what, what that would accomplish. At this well, they're point. not going to keep Zamula. They're, they, 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 they don't have any interest in keeping him. There's no way. And the way they mishandled this guy left and right, it's more just about this right-handed defenseman right now. I mean, clearly Adder's the odd man out, which is too bad because he's, you know, dominating in the Phantoms, but they clearly don't want to give him an opportunity. He got three RF, uh, three UFAs this year, rather. Uh, Walker, Stahl, and Sealer. And, you know, Walker is the obvious trade deadline chip, but because he's playing well, we don't know if that's going to happen. And it is interesting that the Risto rumors popped up a few weeks ago at this point. I wonder if that had any direct connection with their Drysdale, uh, Drysdale approach. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to figure out your defense here sooner or later. And with three UFAs and Zamula hanging around, Andre 
more than ready, especially if you want some power play help. And now Drysdale, uh, Drysdale, Drysdale, that one's going to throw me off for a little while, by the way. I noticed that when I was rehearsing for this show that I was fucking that up left and right. But <laughs> Drysdale here, you got a lot of fucking bodies on this blue line. You had far too many to begin with, and now you're throwing another one in here that's young and may not be very good. So is Tortorella going to even, you know, give Drysdale the time of day when the time comes, or is he going to play? Dale. No, you, dr- <laughs> fuck, Drysdale on the third pair there. Yeah. And just say, hey, we like Mark Stahl better. Sorry, Drysdale. You got to sit in favor of Stahl and uh, oh God, Nick Sealer. Brutal. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't acclimated to the tort system yet, so he needs to. Yeah. He needs to sit for ten games. <laughs> um, there's a lot of people since you mentioned torts there, Mike. There's a lot of people on Twitter saying that Cutter Goche wanted out because he didn't want to play for John Tortorella. I don't blame him. I don't. Well, I don't believe it either. I mean, he hasn't really been here, but I don't know. Do you think that that played any? role whatsoever like yeah. what percent do you do you give that yes that's a very I mean, my opinion yeah. i think it's kevin hayes here i mean i cannot imagine how an 18 to 19 year old kid who's highly impressionable though just gets drafted by the team and the year he's drafted is gung-ho about playing here he goes up to the coach and says hi i'm cutter Gautier during his first dev camp and the coach says fuck yeah can't wait to have you that way you know that was the podcast i was talking about and then a year less than a year later there's reports that he he befriends uh, Kevin Hayes, who's a fellow BC alumnus, and Kevin Hayes yes. is a known hater of John Tortorella, and Hayes was traded at that time as well, and um, well, it was before he got traded, but everybody knew he was going to be traded at some point in the offseason. Um, there's no other explanation. I cannot imagine how you go from point A in this situation to point B and the only thing that is apparently here to change this kid's mind is his relationship with Kevin Hayes. What else could an 18 to 19-year-old kid possibly think of? They don't know anything. Oh, what did he think? Oh, you know what? There's too much um, – I don't like Dan Hilford. He's a bad owner. Like, he doesn't fucking know anything about that. He talked to Kevin Hayes, who hated John Tortorella. He probably said, kid, this coach sucks. You're going to hate playing for him. He's an asshole. He's going to work your ass off. You're not going to get any any points. He's going to make you play fucking defense all the time. Or Something happened behind closed doors there that soured him. And that's the only thing that I can point to. There could be other things, but the only stuff that we can see that's in front of us that's been reported, and when you put these together, it points back to Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I think Torts, one way or another, played a pretty big role in this. Whether it was influenced by Hayes, and Hayes led him to Provorov, and everybody and Tony D'Angelo got in on the fun, and everyone tried to shit-talk this guy, or whether it was just real looking around, realizing that prospects aren't being handled right, or just the track record of Tortorella in general, you know? I, I think that that is a probably a pretty likely scenario in all of this. That, you know, if we find out that it was had some tie that he didn't want to be here with Tortorella, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all yeah i just don't know how prominent it was i'm sure it was a factor i don't know if it was the main factor i think the i think the stuff about going back to college was a big one and i think that the flyers not really being flexible um and i know the argument he's on an elc he's basically on the flyers whim they don't want to burn that year of the elc I get all that stuff. At some point, though, you got to kind of we we get told over and over again that this is a new crop of players, right? 
these players, this generation of players is very different from previous generations. I just wanted to let you guys get some quotes here. So there's an article, Cutter Goche explains why he missed the Flyers development uh, camp written by, I've never interacted with this person, uh, Chuck Bossman. Who? You, any of you guys? Okay. It's on uh, Philly hockey now or PHI hockey now. I don't know. Um, so take it for what it's worth. Um, he wrote, it's surprising when it was surprising when Philadelphia Flyers top prospect Cutter Goche didn't show up for development camp earlier this month in Voorhees. The date of the article, by the way, is July 30th, 2023. Uh, it was even more surprising when Flyers general manager Danny Briere said he didn't know why Goche passed up on the camp. We talked about this on our show, that as a GM, you need to know why. He's yeah. your top prospect, <laughs> and you need to have that relationship and always be kind of in the know and always be kind of, you know, massaging these players and 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 staying in contact with them. We said that when Breer was hired, that this was a big <laughs> faux pas, that he needed to know why this guy wasn't at camp. Instead, quote from Cutter Goche, was a little bit too much hockey after the Worlds. Just too much for me. I wanted time with the family. I figured it was best to stay home. After talking to Danny, obviously it wasn't his favorite thing, but it was best for me. God. Right there, that tells you there's a rift between the two of them. So obviously it wasn't his favorite thing, me staying home and not coming to camp, but it was best for me. After this year, Hopefully we get done pretty late in April with the group we have at BC, but overall that joining the flyers is the goal. I feel I could play in the NHL tomorrow, but my decision to come back for another year was lots of time and hours talking to family, talking to coaches and all that stuff for the best decision for me. I don't know whether to vomit or, or like, <laughs> like, like. Here, this will make you vomit too, uh, Manny. If it's if you're starting to get some chunks in your throat, this will make it <laughs> fully come out here. This is what Meltzer had to say. Here's a quick one from him. It, this is what he said back then. It happens every year that people fret over a collegiate draftee's non-attendance and assume it means the player won't sign an ELC <laughs> and is aligning to go elsewhere via trade or free agency. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Fucking dick. Oh, providing cover so for wrong. the organization. So wrong. It's like, well, well, Billy boy, that is exactly what happened. And everybody was right. And you were wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah hey. But don't tell him that because right. then he'll be he'll be on a blocking spree. Hey, well, you know, I mentioned that uh, you have to read between the lines uh, with some of these quotes from the offseason and whatnot. But apparently it's all there in black and white. Directly forward, now that we know the final outcome, it all uh, makes a lot more sense now. Apparently, by the way, Travis Sanheim via Jordan Allier said, if he doesn't want to be here, we're happy to move on. That's leader Travis Sanheim saying that. Good job, Travis. Way to go. (laughs) Grand. That pisses me off. Yeah. (laughs) Like, okay, Travis. Well, here's news for you, bro. I am not going to pay to go watch you play hockey. (laughs) But I probably would have paid to go watch Cutter Gautier play hockey. So square that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> They've also made it known that uh, Jamie Drysdale is a great person. 
Keith Jones hammered that home, and Carter, uh, Carter Hart apparently just said it as well. I don't know who he is, but anyway, he's a great player and a great person. So great, we're adding more good fucking people to the room here. I don't want to disrupt that bullshit. Um, great. Gosh. <laughs> Has Carter Hart ever played with Jamie, Jamie Drysdale? They may have been in a Team Canada together somewhere along the line, I guess. Uh-oh. <laughs> should, should we worry about that or Jamie. they probably did cross paths i would imagine uh you know let me see i'll do some google in here i thought you were gonna say cross something else and i was gonna be like i'm out guys <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh, interesting that like and i'm not saying that it's not true the, the you know the the demeanor of Jamie Drysdale. I'm sure he's a good kid. He's a good guy. Um, he is small. He's five eleven. Five eleven, one eighty five. Like I know he's at. mobile, and I know he's got the offensive instincts. I'm just is is this a John Tortorella kind of defenseman? No. You know is, is this you know and this this is what I mean. Like is this are we just spinning tires here? Yes. And this 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 is why it's. <laughs> I like the player, but this goes back even to Chuck Fletcher when he drafted Cutter Goche. David Juracek was there. A big, mobile, offensive Czech defenseman. But no, they went and got Cutter Goche, and hindsight being twenty twenty, I wonder if people would still select Cutter Goche now. Can, can we all agree that this trade if Cutter didn't act the way that he did, this is a, not an ideal trade. It's, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, yeah, that's a worrisome trade. And, you know, as I've, I've, I've voiced my concerns already about the way that some of these defensemen have been handled. You know, Emil Andre is a smaller guy, offensively minded, that Torts didn't care for at the beginning of the season. You know, he's not exactly done well with some of these other young guys. Um, this defense in general has been very veteran heavy. You know, Cam York has had his druthers with with uh, John Tortorella as well. Despite the fact that he's getting some minutes, he's still arguably not being used properly. So, I don't, I don't know. Now you've got eight defensemen on the main roster, by the way. So you just made somebody the odd man out. Is it going to be Mark Stahl, or are we playing musical chairs for the next, you know, two months before the trade deadline happens, and you have to make some moves? You know, what are they, uh, what are they doing here? And I don't. I don't know. I, I don't like Drysdale could be something. It's possible. Sure. But I don't know if the Flyers are in prime position to take such a gamble on a rehab project for somebody that does not fit the mold of a player that is going to succeed under John Tortorella. By the way, it I, does not look like Drysdale and Hart's paths have crossed anywhere, to the best I can tell. They probably just made up. He, oh, I heard he's a great guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The interesting though, so in terms of just just trying to look at this trade without the, the all the exterior mm-hmm, noise sure. and background. So Drysdale, if he does turn out to be that you know big power play quarterback, this team desperately needs one. Yeah. Oh yeah. Badly. You know, and he's real bad. And he and, and he's on the right side. He's young, which is important, and he's a hot commodity in today's NHL. The size is a little bit. Yeah, and the injuries are a little bit worrisome for me. 
Well, it's not a flyer unless you have a career-ending injury at 22 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Briere said something about that they evaluated the injuries and they were comfortable. Well, hopefully Briere wasn't one who evaluated Ryan Ellis's injuries when they procured him. <laughs> I mean, they said the same shit about him, and they failed miserably to do their due diligence in that situation. So it's certainly a concern here, man. I think it's a great point. Hey, Lappy, what do you think of these X-rays? Uh, I think they look pretty good there, Danny. Dr. Uh, Lappy. Know. <laughs> Dr. Lappy. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. L. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the hell this thing is here, but uh, whatever. It, uh, right, yeah. After so he good. performed Couturier surgery, they had him evaluate <laughs> Drysdale's medical background. <laughs> Board certified <laughs> Dr. L. Yeah. <laughs> So more from Jordan Hall here. Uh, apparently, John Tortorella said he doesn't know Cutter Gauthier from a hole in a wall. The Flyers head coach expressed great deal of excitement about Jamie Drysdale and has apparently already talked to him. So um, that'll be a fun quote to revisit in a few weeks, I'm sure. What, the f- what does that yeah. even mean? They That's met the- at dev camp two years ago. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's interesting that, like, all of a sudden, again, a week ago, before I left for my holiday, everyone was talking up Cutter Gauthier and how amazing he is, and he's going to be a top-line guy, and he's going to be a center, and he's everything that this team ever needed. And now he's persona non grata. He's been excommunicated from the Flyers. Everybody on this team wants nothing to do with him. He's a scumbag. He's a piece of garbage. The fans all hate him. And you know what? I'm sure some of it's deserved. But I think that a lot of people are are mm-hmm. not also looking at exactly. the, how the Flyers handled things, and I'm sure that there's. Some well, Breer's not going to take any heat from this one from this fan base yet. You kidding? Oh me? no, never. never. When when Gochi's putting up 50 in uh, Anaheim next to you know Trevor Zegras and Drysdale is uh, Drysdale. God damn it, Drysdale is in the AHL. Eh, I'm sure we'll uh, complain about it then. But for right now, <laughs> yeah. you're not going to catch any. Uh, Danny Breer is not going to catch any bad flack from this one. It's all Cutter Gauthier's fault, Manny. God damn it. So so let's revert to the other side now. So the Ducks are getting Cutter Gauthier. He's not playing center for them. Nope. Right? Probably not. No. Yeah. He's going to be on the wing where he should be, mm-hmm. where he's going to experience the most success, playing alongside a Trevor Zegris, or at worst, playing alongside uh, – uh, McTavish, Mason McTavish, and starting to they they got a really nice young group there. Mm-hmm. If they can start to add some vets, and I know that they started adding some vets in the off season um, to try to get a little bit better, and they're still Frank not Vitrano. there yet. Yeah, I know Where did this guy come from Frank Vitrano. He came from Game the changer. Jersey Shore. It is worth noting, though. I mean, the Ducks sucked for a lot of years, got a lot of high talent. Some of them panning out, and the ones that don't pan out, they trade for better fucking high down like Cutter Gauthier because they're Seizing. rebuilding properly. Seizing opportunities, that's yes. what you have to do. Exactly. Take a yep. fucking lesson, Philadelphia Flyers. Christ. No, we're doing it differently, though, Dan. No. Oh, I don't even want to get started on this topic because yeah, yeah. I won't stop. We're, yeah, we're... I mean, I'm happy. I, I think on one hand, I'm happy that the front office is doing stuff because that makes it interesting. And I like, I like organizations that have active front offices because it's fun. Um, On the other hand, this was kind of done not because they wanted to do something, but because they had a player that 
wasn't going to cooperate with them. It was and, done because they had to, and they had to make it yeah. happen before they found out, before everyone found out they didn't want to be here, and they lost all negotiating power. Yeah, yeah, they would have been so screwed. They would have been so screwed. Now, on the other hand, here's the other question. Um, let's say it does get out, or did get out, and and everyone's like, oh shit, you know, he's not going to sign with the Flyers. They have to trade him. Um, would they be able to force him to just? I mean, how long do they have his rights? They have his rights for all four years of college, right? So he'd have to theoretically play his junior and senior seasons. And then at that point, he could walk as a free agent. So I maybe there's a little bit of leverage that the Flyers had there as well. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, all I know is it puts a very interesting amount of pressure on them to now address their forward weakness and figure out what the hell they're going to do on defense moving forward. This is a, a – a, it gets the ball rolling in what was probably going to be a very stagnant summer otherwise. You know, I think we can all agree that they probably weren't going to make any outrageous moves in the summer. They are probably going to ditch Frost for Nick Delorier 3.0. But on the whole there, it was yeah. – you probably weren't going to see a lot of movement from a lot of this. And now you are weak at forward and you've got far too many fucking defensemen on this roster. Shit's gonna need mm-hmm. to change here, you know. Now oh, yeah. all of a sudden, Breer's gonna need to gonna need to do a little bit of work to reestablish a direction here, both with the bodies on the main roster and what the hell comes next afterwards in the pipeline. Maybe they. I mean, gosh, you know, we're inching closer to that trade deadline. It seems like we're going out of snail's pace from this today. season, but <laughs> yeah, it's still two months. But we're getting a little closer. Um, hopefully, that the first half of this season was showcasing players like like Sean Walker, um, you know, even like a Travis Konechny. And, you know, there's a handful of other guys, maybe a Scott Lawton, who I don't think he's had a great first half of the season. But, you know, these are the types of guys that hopefully Briere will be able to jettison or will have the willingness to jettison and to keep accumulating higher-end talent and you know, high picks and try to get this timeline correct and the talent level correct and all that sort of stuff. But um, I'm not sure, you know, if this had nothing to do with Gautier being soured on the organization, I might actually like it better because it shows a willingness by the front office to really take the reins and say, we are going to move forward by hook or by crook and do whatever the fuck it takes to build the team we want. But because they were kind of forced into doing it, it's like, okay, I understand why it happened, but is there really a willingness to accumulate better players and move some of these other guys out that don't serve a real important long-term purpose? So there's some Um, food for thought. (laughs) hmm. I'm just trying to think now about the the Flyers forward group going forward. Like, (laughs) we've talked ad nauseum ad nauseatingly about <laughs> um this forward group and how sick we are of seeing the same guys mm. over and over again right and you know goche and mitchkov were like this breath of fresh air and that's those are players and pieces that you'd really want to pay to see as mike alluded to earlier if if we're stuck, because this team, like, we, they got to make a decision on Owen Tippett. And I like Owen Tippett. I really do. I've seen him firsthand in person in the OHL. He's a great guy. He's not a $7 million guy. I don't even think he's a $6.5 million guy. 
and I think you got to be real careful if you're going to hitch your wagon and give a guy that kind of money. And, you know, there's still guys like Farabee who's improved this year, I got to say, but I still thought that he was going to be a little bit better than what he is. We still got Morgan Frost kicking around and it doesn't seem like that's getting settled anytime soon. Although he was benched, I saw um, a couple days of the Columbus game. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, there's Ottawa, still like that. Calgary, whenever it was, doesn't matter. One of these last few yeah. games, he was benched. He and Atkinson Calgary. had to be the Columbus game because yeah, that would have been uh, Atkinson's homecoming as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, yeah. we still got Lawton. We still got Coots. We still got a lot of guys on here that your AHL forward group is fucking piss poor outside of Lexel and Tuomala, who they clearly don't like Ali Lexel and Tuomala's undersized, so he's never going to get an opportunity to do a Tortorella anyway. So. uh even your in-house guys that are here right now are not overly spectacular in terms of, you know, help coming that way. So, I don't know. Tippett, 13 goals, 23 points in 40 games. He had 49 points in 27 goals last year in 77 games. So, I mean, he's pretty much on pace to, to replicate that, to be a 20-25 goal, 50-ish point guy. Um, so, in a way, it's good he's stagnating because that should knock his AAV down a little bit. But at the, at the same time... Do you want to, you know, sign some guy for long term just to have another fucking random middle six fifty point guy on this team? You yeah, know, you mm-hmm. need you need you need more than that, and it's gonna be the downfall of the Flyers. It's their downfall right now. You don't have anybody that can run a power play. You've got no offensive talent. If this team had a legitimate top line right now, you may be a legitimate playoff team, but you don't because Tortorella doesn't want that. They're gonna make sure this roster is not constructed to have any of that. And now with Nylander off and Gauthier gone, that gets significantly harder to do this summer. So it, it does, you know, if they want to be legitimate, if they're going to blow this rebuild to hell, which they've done already, you know, it, it they need to find a way to add offensive talent to this team. And it's going to have mm-hmm. to come via trade. And I don't know, man. Been a long goddamn time since this organization made a uh, noteworthy big trade from the outside. You know, Chris Pronger was 15 fucking years ago already. And before that, it was the summer of 07, which was another 15 fucking years. So I don't know what comes next, but uh, it, it poses a lot of questions moving forward with Gochi out of the picture. Because he was supposed to be here at the end of the season. That was the idea, right? Where he's going to sign out of college. He's going to join him for the playoff push and be the guy. That's gone now. That's gone. And Mitchkov's still two years away, if you're lucky. What do you do? What comes next? Yeah, I mean that's the that's the elephant in the room now from a roster construction standpoint. That's for sure. And you can't trade for one C's. Nope, they're not traded. So you have to draft them. And if you want a really good one, you got to get them. Not going to get that twentieth overall. Yeah, it's be very very rare, very rare to get that player. Yeah, twentieth overall or in the fourth round or something like that. Is it possible? I guess. Do you want to hit your wagon? You know, the fate of your organization relies on you hitting um, on a lottery ticket that late in the draft. I mean, I sure as hell wouldn't build my organization nope. like that. <laughs> so they've got major problems, you know, at at the center position. And not that, you know, we thought that Gautier was a bona fide center, but there was a chance that he would be able to adapt, you know, in that position, especially having elite level wingers around him, AKA Mitchkoff, you know, perhaps that transition makes sense in the circumstance. Um, at this point, 
I don't know where they go. I mean, I don't see, I mean, you know, I haven't taken a look at the trade market in a while. I, I usually go through rosters a bit and try to, and try to pluck out some players and, you know, see if there might be a deal to be had there. I'm sure the flyers are, are, are doing the same thing, but I just don't see them getting a one C of the future via trade at all. I mean, what are you going to trade? Got like Carter Hart and like two first round picks. I don't even think that does it. I you mean, got draft assets, but I mean, these guys, you know, this is the thing about the modern day NHL. Like nobody hits free agency anymore and big trades just don't happen. You know, it's so goddamn rare that you get help from the outside anymore. You need to draft and develop this talent. And people can say, well, they, you know, no team succeeds when they draft well. You know, this has been the popular battle cry all year. Well, they don't need the tank. They do. They desperately needed somebody. And the only way to get that guaranteed is in-house. I mean, maybe not guaranteed anymore because Gautier told them to fuck off. But, uh, you know, that's the best, best way to chances. do it. It's, it's their best mm -hmm. chance to, to make it happen. And there's uh, – it's just – it's not, you know, the the wet dream was kind of Nylander, that they would take a stab in the dark at that guy, no matter how unlikely it was going to be, and now he's not even here, you know? It's just like, man, it just doesn't get any fucking easier. And, you know, if you're lucky, some RFA like Timo Meyer shows up this summer, or at the deadline maybe, and you can try and take a swing at him and make it happen, but, you know, we haven't heard anything about that, that, you know, that's a possibility yet. We still got, you know, eight weeks or so before the draft. Uh, before the uh, trade deadline, I should say. But, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a it's a pretty big question here about how this roster ends up shaking out, especially at forward, because one of their two aces in the hole is no longer your ace in the hole. He's the ace in the duck's hole now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it also, I mean, it sets a bad tone here, you know, and the Flyers had to react to the situation, but I think it sets a terrible tone league-wide that you have a blue-chip prospect that said, fuck you, I'm not coming to your team. You know, how does that resonate with other players? Okay. Why other did that players? guy say fuck you to this team? Yeah. Why did he want yeah. to do that? Why would you turn down the easier top? And like, you know what happens? NCAA players, you know, happens every few years. You know, Adam Fox being uh, the most recent example, probably, and most notable um, uh, similar, you know, structure. But even he wasn't drafted this high. And, you know, when you have Goche there, and then they ask what happened. Well, Cutter Grouchy, why'd you? Well, you see, Kevin Hayes set me up. And then they sent Kevin Hayes' phone number to the next guy that wants to sign here. And they say, fuck you, I don't want to sign here, Tortorella. <laughs> Unleashes a whole yeah, snowball. I, yeah, I mean, you don't know what the issues are. Uh, you know, it could be that. It could be, you know, the um, uh, the playing time situation that Manny brought up in terms of not allowing him access to the NHL when he was ready. I, I mean, there's a number of issues, but it just, it sets the wheels in motion for a bad, uh, bad image um, lack of credibility with other young players. We're like, oh, hey, well, Cutter Gauthier didn't want to sign there. Well, why is that? Oh, that's because John Torrell is a pain in the fucking ass to play for. I don't want to play over there either. So then, you know, that becomes a domino effect and you need to reposture yourself in the marketplace and in the league here. And so that's, you know, one of the residual effects that's going to take place from this. It's not just, you know, bringing in Drysdale on the three-year contract. It's how can we make ourselves attractive to other young players, whether, you know, ones that want to come in and want to be here. I, I don't know, you know, and I think, you know, John Tortorella is, is not normally the type of coach that I think would attract players like that at all, even veteran players. Um, and maybe that is something the Flyers are going to have to move on from and bring in a coaching staff, you know, the guys like playing for, I don't know. But that's just one thing, you know, that is at issue here that could become a problem 
moving forward. Um, I got another question for you guys. So just in the last calendar year, we've had Ivan Fedotov, who I know he's like 26, 27. He's not really a prospect or whatever, but he was somebody in the system, I guess you could say. There's Jay O'Brien, first round pick that, you know, bust, didn't, didn't do anything here. Now we got Cutter Gauthier. How many of these players can we continue to kind of just, you know, swing and a miss? Just wait until Mitch Cobb doesn't show up. You know, and I know Fedotov was like a seventh round pick or whatever, but that's, you know, you, you go back and, and then you go back into the Fletcher and the, and the Hextall regimes and you look at those guys that just didn't pan out. The Nolan Patricks. <laughs> you know, Nolan Patrick, uh, what's the... Uh, uh, oh, I can't think of his name. The Russian guy, Rupsov. You know, like all these other, like this adds up. Missing so constantly, yeah. If we're getting into this era now, and listen, the new era with uh, with the assistant GM, Brett Flair, has been much better. But there, again, you don't want to The drafting on the whole these. is better, but they're not reaping the rewards of the work that they're doing. Yeah, and I think that that's a fair comment to make. I, I think that until we start to see guys really make a jump and really solidify themselves in the NHL, I think that that's a fair comment to make. There's a litany of, yeah, exactly right on with that, guys. There, There's this litany of obstacles that this organization cannot, cannot transition the young players who were drafted into the NHL and elevate them to be stars or notable, meaningful players. I mean, out of all the guys that we've seen come through here over the past eight, nine, ten years that are drafted, we have a Travis Sandheim, a Travis Kenny, the Travi um, are about it. You know, I used to throw in Carter Hart in that equation as well. Um, Other than that, you know, there's just too many swings and misses and the obstacles, whether, like you said, many, whatever it is, whether it's a problem from being in Russia, whether it's a player who has, you know, head problems with Nolan Patrick, um, other injury issues, um, other players like a Sam Morin who, who was had knee issues all the time. There's just, there's something always there that the organization cannot overcome. And it's a variety of reasons at this point. Add Cutter Goatier to the list of shit that's out of left field that you're like, what the hell is going on here? And, you know, I don't know how you how you figure that out from a front office standpoint. I think that, you know, maybe you develop, I don't know, you, you put more resources into your transition. I think that they've tried to do that a little bit with, you know, the former players with the John LeClairs, um, Patrick Sharps that are you know supposed to be assisting these players, but they need more there because they're just, they're being, de- they're either being dealt a really bad hand. A lot of these guys where they're digging their own grave in some respect as well. It's probably some combination. And, and it goes back to what, what we, our calling card is you acquire as many assets as you can in order to get as many opportunities for players to hopefully succeed. And the ones that fall by the wayside fall by the wayside. And then there's ones that you're going to trade in order to get a better player or an established player or whatever. At the end of the day, you have options. You've got, you've got a, a litany of things that you can do 
in order to try to improve your organization. The problem is, is it's almost like I'm trying to think of, of a team that's got like a top, a one C that was out of the first round. The only one that I could think of is Carolina. Aho. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I can't think of anybody else that's of substance. Who's the one C not recently anyway. Yes. I think you're exactly right. It's so rare. Second, a second round pick from the hurricanes. And it's almost like the flyers need to fall ass backwards into a second round top number one C in order to get this thing going, just like they went ass backwards and got Mitchkov. It's like, this, this is how they're going to do things. It's not from an actual plan point of view. And I, speaking of plans, you know, like now we're just going from one, you know, chain to the next, the plan, you know, this, everybody said that this front office had a plan. The plan was centered around Mitchkov and Cutter Gochi. That was pretty much the entirety of the plan. Yeah. So now what's the plan? I, I mean, know. the plan, it's pretty, it, we can't just wait for Mitchkov. Now we can't, we can't say that the plan is still the same. It it's pretty obvious is. the plan has to change. Theoretically. Right? I, I don't know. I'm still a little know. bit like kind of stunned. Uh, Dan Silver tweeted, um, our buddy Dan Silver tweeted 43 minutes ago, I've been communicating with an extremely good source, not oh, affiliated boy. whatsoever with the Flyers. I've been told that Cutter Goche's decision had absolutely nothing to do with John Tortorella. He has nothing but respect for torts. He was also the one so, that had sources the Flyers were in acquired Jordan Cairo in the Kevin Hayes trade. So I'm not exactly a big fan of that one. But uh... well, yeah, let's assume, you know, that Silver's right there. What on earth is it then? Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, had, it, it has to be him divert going back to college it just, just saying to. i mean that's i mean i can see that to an extent but that would be so like so paramount that you would say you're not gonna let me this one year well fuck like that is like that is like insanity behavior like to just take that one thing and say i'm 18 and the team's saying you got to play literally one less than one season at college and he's gonna flip out like that i mean if that's the reason i mean he's a freaking nut job i don't even want him on the team <laughs> Well, and, and I mean, that's true. And that's where the player has to take responsibility for this, too. I'm not blaming just the Flyers front office yeah, here. Right. But like, what what if there was some other things that we don't know about? Maybe his yeah, family is be. not needs the money. You know, I don't know Cutter Goche's family. What if what if they need the money and they needed him to sign that pro contract? You know, what if they needed? I don't know. Who knows? Like, we don't know. And then yeah. again, that's where the, the team, the organization the front office, the general manager, the scouting staff, they got to know everything about these players and they always have to keep tabs on them. If they knew that Cutter Gochi was going to be really pissed off if he was forced and told to go back to college after that first year, they should have known that. And I, I'm not justifying Cutter Gochi's response because in truth, he should be a, a mature enough and a man to say, you know what, this is what they want to do. And then Maybe you say, you know what, I'm going to do this, but then you owe me one. And when we when we sign, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to remember this. Yeah. And then you you owe me one. Exactly. And I'm not going to back down the next time. I'm yeah, there's ways to negotiate it. I'm going to do this for you because I respect you and you guys drafted me and I'm appreciative of that. 
and I'm going to do this because you're asking me to, but I don't like it. And I'm going to prove to you now after when it comes time to pay the piper, you're going to pay the piper. Mm. I don't like the way he handled it. But again, I still say that the, the front office needed to really know if they pushed him in this direction, what would the response be? He had to have projected that. So uh, someone just put a screenshot here on Twitter. It looks like it's from Instagram where Flyers Nation said, Anthony Sanfilippo crossing broad just reported someone in the Flyers organization believes Kevin Hayes' fingerprints were all over the cutter goatee situation. Kevin Hayes himself replied and said, yes, this guy is a fucking clown making shit up. So somebody got his feelings hurt that he was accusing this one. So uh, methinks mm. Kevin Hayes didn't it in, did indeed have something to do with this. Wait a minute. Kevin Hayes responded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He responded to Flyers Nation that Anthony Sanfilippo's report that uh, Kevin Hayes was responsible for this. So, so is he? So is he admitting that he is part of this? He's, I, I don't he's making he's he's denying the accusation, but in denying it, it sure seems like he's guilty as fuck. Is uh, I think even addressing it like that yeah. is is saying this guy is, is a like, fucking clown and making shit it triggered up. him. That's what happened. Is yep. that Anthony? I, I mean, my opinion of this is just reaction is that San Filippo has the true scoop. Hayes found out about it and is pissed off beyond hell. Yep. And is like, well, fuck it. I'm just gonna react. You know, just you know, and call him a clown. Interesting. The plot, the plot thickens. thickens. See, <laughs> yeah, see and, and that's, that's the thing. Like, this is now we're in a whirlwind now. And a lot of stuff is going to be said on all sides. And everybody's quick to take sides about, oh, well, Cutter Goche is an asshole and who cares? And that's why I'm trying to say, like, just put the brakes on a little bit. He might be an asshole. He might have handled this the wrong way. At the same time, he's got an agent. The agent has to be sitting there going, listen, yes. Cutter, like, here's how you're going to handle this. And if you're not going to do this, then I shouldn't be your agent. Like, you have to follow directions. Something happened. And I'm telling you, this is not in a vacuum. The Flyers said or did something, and it really triggered this guy the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And it made him change his thoughts completely about the organization. Whether it's right or it's wrong, it's not for me to say. I'm just trying to question whether or not this front office maybe could have approached this guy a little bit differently, considering we've been told, and it's been parroted by all the friendly ones out there, that Cutter Goche is going to, you know, when he walks, it's like he walks a foot above water. It's like he's floating on the water, like Jesus H. Christ himself just walking across water. That's what we've been told about this guy. And now all of a sudden I have to just take it on authority on, you know, the front office saying, well, he's an asshole and he refused to pick up the phone and, and talk to us. He's a jerk. He might be. And if I was the GM, I would say the same thing, but there's gotta be something there. They, something that they asked him to do, whether it's going back to college, whether it was the, you know, not going to development camp and maybe not fully having his back. I don't know. Who knows? But something happened there. And I think it's crazy just to look at one side of this and just assume that, well, it's all Cutter Goche's fault and he's a dick. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a very motivated young man when he signs that ELC with Anaheim. Very 
motivated. Just, just putting that out there. You are going to see a lot of people saying, oh, my God, I can't believe we traded Cutter Goche. Oh, my God, we should have had, we should have done better with him. Yeah, this, uh, this opinion will turn greatly if Gauthier shows up in the NHL and is very, very good. This whole fuck Cutter Gauthier thing is not going to last. Eh, we, especially when the tide eventually does turn on Danny Breer and it's going to happen one day. Eh, maybe not anytime soon, but when it does, and you're going to look back at this one, is, especially if Drysdale doesn't pan out. Um According to Tortorella, he'll go on the power play right away, although not sure which unit. Because, boy, that first power play unit is just so dangerous, <laughs> yeah. you can't shake anything up. Uh, that's a great quote. <sighs> Fuck <laughs> off. Wow. I, okay. So embarrassing. I've had enough. We're at an hour, hour, hour and 11 minutes in anyway, so we'll wrap up here. Uh, more of this will have come out over the next you know, few days and weeks, I'm sure. So we'll have... Yeah, it's the middle of the night, can you tell? We'll gather our thoughts and be back... At some point, I'm sure. But uh, I'll be back with Dylan tomorrow. We got Noah and Papa on Wednesday, and then Katie and Nick on Thursday. And those shows make it spread out a little more, but that's when we're recording. So we'll check that out, everyone. Plenty of shit on the website, brotherlypuck.com. At Dan the Flyer Fan, brotherlypuck, brotherly underscore pod. Dan the Flyer Fan, underscore jerseys over on Instagram if you want to check that out as well. And Mike, where can people find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at Flyer underscore AF. Let's do it. And uh, Manny. At Manny Benavides. And as always, brotherlypuck.com. Check out the website. Prospect report coming out next week. All right, everyone. Until next time, goodbye and good night.